You're listening to The Robert Hatfield Show on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud. A podcast about comedy, entertainment, pop culture and more. Now from the Melrose Studios in Los Angeles, California, your host, Robert Hatfield. Hey everybody, this is Robert Hatfield with The Robert Hatfield Show podcast. I'm here with a very special guest, Celine Eckwright. And uh, she's in Los Angeles right now. Hey, Celine. Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, how have you been doing lately? Very good. Very good. Just um, being in L.A., pursuing my acting career, the usual. I want to, um, I want the listeners out there to, like, know your story from, like, the very beginning. Like, um, like what got you into acting in the first place? When I started watching American TV shows, I was, I don't think I was even a teenager yet. I was probably 10 or 12 or something like that. And I really became a big fan of some American TV shows, and in particular, Superman, The Adventures of Lois and Clark. And I just thought how amazing it is what they can do on a daily basis and be paid for it. And, um... Yeah, and I just wanted to be like Lois Lane, uh, you know, having adventures with Superman. And I thought that there wouldn't be anything more fun than doing that. And I think then I already told my parents I want to be an actress. And they said, well, you know, that's going to change. And you should really focus on learning something where you can make a living and have consistent income and so on and so forth. The typical reaction you would uh, expect from parents, you know. Yeah, did you um, did you pursue, pursue school before acting? Yes. So I first of all went, continued to go on to my regular school and did that until I graduated from high school. And then I directly went to an acting school in Wiesbaden, which I really enjoyed. And then um, I spent a year there studying. And then I went to Austria. I studied there for one semester. And just because I couldn't get to the U.S. right away, my original plan was to go to the U.S. right away. But it it was um, it was after nine eleven and the visas were very difficult to get, and I was completely new to the process, so figuring all of that out. And then I went to New York, and I studied there at the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. Oh, so were, was your first training in New York? My very first acting training was in Germany. Yeah, I went there to acting school, and then I went to... Oh, and how old were you at this point? I was um, 17, 18. Oh, okay. So yeah. that, that's a pretty uh, early age to get into it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I always knew that it's the only thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I never wanted to do anything else. Not for as long as I can remember. I've always wanted to be an actress. So, yeah, it was the only thing that I wanted, and I pursued it. I looked for 
acting schools and found my way into that. Oh, and I'm really curious, what was your experience in New York like? Were you there for like a couple of years? I was. I was there for about three and a half years, I would say. Um, the conservatory that I went to was a two-year or four-semester conservatory, and I also had summer semesters. And then after I graduated, um, I stayed in New York just for a little bit longer, wanting to pursue acting there, but I didn't have a work visa, so everything sort of got put on hold, and I had to go back to Germany for a little bit. Yeah, but um, my experience in New York was a lot of fun. It was my first time being very far from home, being in a big city, and I just loved it. I loved the freedom and independence, and I really enjoyed um, studying with the classmates. And you know, when you study acting with people, you become really close with them because you go through so many emotional, intense experiences. And you play somebody's mother and somebody's sister and all of those situations that bring you closer. So yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was very cold in the winter, obviously very hot in the summer, but being in the city, it was just unbeatable. I loved it. Yeah, I want to know more about that because I know you from Los Angeles, and I didn't know that you lived in New York for a couple of years. Um, did, what was it like? Um, did you live? Did you live by yourself, or um, did you live with people, or um, were you in actually New York City, or did you live somewhere else and then travel to the city? I I lived in New York City. Yeah, and I absolutely could not afford living by myself, no way. Um, when I first came to New York, I didn't really know what school would be the best school for me, and I had um, applied to several schools, several colleges, and actually uh, flew a little earlier to the state and auditioned for them just to get into those specific schools, and ended up getting into... Queens College to the University of New York. And so I was there, and I lived in Queens for one semester. But I quickly realized that a lot of the subjects that you have to take when you go to regular college aren't pertaining to acting. So I just wanted to focus on acting. I was like, okay, learning other things is great, but I want to focus, and <clears throat> I want to maximize my time. So I just um, wanted to go to an acting conservatory. And I saw a posting in the Department for Drama and Dance where I studied at for AMDA, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. And it immediately spoke to me, you know, that it was conservatory, that it was rigorous training, and that you didn't have to take all of the side courses like math and physics and all of that, which you will never need as an actress. So um, I auditioned for that and got in, and then I started at AMDA one semester later. So, so basically, I only went to Queens College for one semester, lived in Queens for that one semester. And then when I went to AMDA, which is on, I think, on 73rd and Broadway, it made sense to live in the city 
just because, you know, it takes time to go from one place to the other with the subway. And I ended up finding a living situation that was between the two locations and that has two locations that are actually very close together. And, um, and it was walking distance. It was so perfect. And I had three roommates in a two bedroom. So I was sharing a room with another uh, female student there who ended up graduating, I think one semester later, but we continued living together for a while. So yeah, I, I definitely had roommates. I mean, the rent in the city is horrendous. So to live alone for me as a student without an income would have been impossible. Oh, and uh, were they actors as well? Yes, they were. They were. They were actually musical majors. Enda has two uh, courses of study. One is for straight theater and one is for musical. And they were musical majors at Enda. So I was exposed to a lot of singing, which was wonderful. They had such amazing voices. I was always admiring them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I want to know, like, how long did it take from when you were... Um, oh, let me do that again. How how long did it take from when the point when you were in New York and then you moved to L.A.? Like, uh, how many years was that? So I was in New York for about three and a half years. And then I had to go back to Germany for a while because I didn't have a visa. Um, but in New York, I actually, um, I actually ended up meeting my husband that I married, and then I was able to return to the U.S. together with him later. And then I directly came to L.A. So, um, yeah, so it was not a very long time in between. I was in New York three and a half years. We lived together in Germany for a year, and then I came to L.A. directly after that. Yeah, I, um... That That's cool, like, um, <laughs> hold on, yeah, I can edit, edit this question now, but, um, okay. Actually, I, yeah. actually, I don't know if I want to say that I got married. Maybe you can cut that out. Let me just say. Oh, do you want to, do, do you want to re-answer it or something? Yeah, yeah, I think that would be better. Uh, okay. Because that's sort of like a private thing I don't want to know, yes. the public to know, yeah. Okay. Okay, so your question again was, how long did it take um, between New York and L.A.? Okay, so let me answer that again. So I was just for three and a half years in New York, and I went back to Germany and ended up figuring out my visa situation, which took about a year. And then I returned to L.A. directly after that. So I would say that there was about just three and a half years in New York and then one year in Germany. And then I came to L.A., which was awesome. That's great. And um, was the, this, the decision because um, you wanted to try something else besides New York? Yeah, I was in New York a little bit after I graduated and I felt that it wasn't the right place for me to continue my career. 
I mean, in New York, the focus is a little more on theater. Of course, there is television, but it's very hard to get into those few shows. I mean, I actually work as an extra, for instance, for Law and Order. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to work as an extra. I wanted to work as with a, in the speaking part. And it's very hard to get into that right away when you're starting out. But I did try to start out in New York. I did try to look for an agent. I actually had an agent, um, but it didn't really get me anywhere. And I figured the right place for me would be L.A. And that, that was also confirmed when I arrived here, just because in L.A. there are so many projects being created all of the time. Of course, a lot of those projects are low-budget or no-budget productions or even student productions. But for me, as somebody who just graduated, it was the perfect thing to do. And I had a lot of opportunities and submitted and auditioned and pretty quickly got into doing a lot of um, very low-budget or no-budget productions, which at that point in my career was perfect for me. I loved it. Yeah, I um, we we both have the same credit on IMDb on the show Excused, and uh, when I was on it, uh, everyone on set that day knew we were gonna be excused, so I I went on the door and I knocked on the door and then um, I talked to whoever was in there and then I got voted off the show right away. Yeah, yeah, me too. I actually got that acting job because of you. I remember you called me oh. and you said, hey, they want some more um, actors for excuse. And I was like, oh, wow, of course I'm going to uh, apply to that. And they um, took me right away. And then I knew also it was just going to be for somebody who knocked on the door. But um, in L.A., when you're here, you've got to, in the beginning, at least take everything you can get. And it was fun. And I enjoyed it. And I um, yeah, I was just knocking there, and they told me to say two things, like one thing that guys would really like to hear and one thing that guys would hate to hear. And so I did that, and they gave me my $50, and I went off, which I did with fun. Yeah. When you first moved to L.A., what was the first thing you did? Did you just start submitting for roles, or um, did you uh, try to do some live performances? I actually did live performances while I was in New York, and I enjoyed it, and I auditioned while I was in New York, but I had already found out what the good casting sites are. I mean, you always learn more things, but the that knowledge helped me to start out very... Um, with a lot of focus and with a lot of passion and effort behind it. And when I came to L.A. right away, I submitted myself to thousands of things. And, um, yeah, I started out doing that. In L.A., I've done very little theater. The primary reason for that being is that you have to oftentimes pay a membership fee to theaters in order to be part of the ensemble. And I always thought that is really not there to actors. You know, I I had gone to school, I was trained, and this is something I wanted to 
earn my living with and make a career out of. And then to be in the situation where you have to pay to act instead of be paid, um, for me, really felt upside down. So I did do a little bit of theater in L.A. just when I was at the point where I was like, okay, I just want to act. I don't care about being paid or not. Um, I just want to, you know, have that experience of being in front of people. And I did. I did do a little bit of theater, and it was all non-paid pretty much. But I didn't mind because that wasn't the focus of my career. The focus of my career was always to um, be in TV series or be in movies. So when I did choose to do theater, it was more for myself, for my craft and for my expression, you know, just to keep my passion alive, which can be sometimes very hard in LA when you're um, when you're not getting the parts that you're excited about. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Chelsea lately because, um, yeah, I saw that on TV and I was like, oh my God, um, there's Celine. What what was that experience like? That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And you know, the funny thing was, it did not say that it was Chelsea lately in the breakdown. It was um, one of those breakdowns that didn't sound too exciting when I read about it. And I was like, yeah, I guess I can submit to that. You know, because I was, it was a dating show spoof. And so it was a little bit reality-like. And I didn't really like reality. I never did. And it was never something I was excited about. But, and I don't even think that it paid anything. That's right. Yeah. It didn't pay anything. It didn't pay anything. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. It did not pay a single dollar. I'm totally serious. Yeah, you know, that's the horrible thing about Hollywood is... There's a lot of even big shows where they use actors and don't pay them and just take advantage, you know? Yeah, it's very true. You would think that if it's a big show that has been on TV for many years and has very good quotas, that they would pay the actors. But it's really not the case. And our um, our bit was actually originally made for E! Online, which is, I think another reason why they didn't pay. It wasn't originally supposed to air on TV. It was just supposed to be on the e online website, which it, first of all, got to, but then later on it was also aired on TV. I actually think several times. But, yeah, that's how they got around paying us. <laughs> but it was still a lot of fun. So I ended up um, submitting to the breakdown, even though I had no idea what it was for. And ended up auditioning, and it was just very brief. And I think um, Chelsea, uh, is her name Handler or Chandler? Yeah, it's Handler. Uh, Handler, all right. And I think Chelsea Chandler was actually in the room, although I could be wrong about that. Uh, There's a funny story about that, which I'm going to tell. So, um... It was just a very quick audition, more like in an interview form, you know. I think they just wanted to see how coachable we are, if we're extroverted, and what our energy is. 
it wasn't so much reading any lines because it was mostly improvised on set. So um, I did the audition and I was called in. I think already I got the call next day or something like that. And then we filmed it, which was a lot of fun. And um, it was very high energy with a lot of improvisation. I think we only got said very few lines, but um, all of the things that were happening were hysterical, and I loved it. And I was, and I was with them. And you know, I don't watch a lot of TV, especially not so much talk shows. And these are well-known personas, so I was with them. And I think they were airing uh, Chelsea Chandler on TV, and then I saw them on TV, and I saw them next to me, and I saw them on TV, and I saw them next to me, and I was like, oh, these are the same people. <laughs> and it was so funny, because I just didn't know that I was working with them, you know, which, yeah, I guess often ends up happening if you don't really know who the stars are. What, was this Chelsea a gig before we met, or was this after? Pardon me? Uh, or was this a Chelsea Lately job? Was this before, like, um, we used to do, um, like, a I Love My Neighbors? It's... Okay, say that again? Oh, was, um... Oh, oh was, um, Chelsea Lately uh, before I Love My Neighbors? And all this, when we oh. used to film? Yeah. Um, I think Chelsea Lately was... Actually, after we filmed I Love My Neighbors. Yeah, but it was just a one-day shoot. And I do think that it was in 2009. So it should have been after. Yeah, it should have been after. What was your uh, most memorable, like, acting experience in uh, Los Angeles? funny 
situations. It was sort of like a horror psychological thriller kind of movie, which are a lot of fun to shoot. And it was just a great um, bunch of actors, and the director was awesome, and the crew was awesome. So it was a very fun experience. I want to ask you, like, um, do you recommend um, new actors from other places to move to Los Angeles? That is a very good question. Many actors in L.A. feel like they should move to other places because they feel at other places there might be less competition. And L.A. has not been filming locally as much as it used to do. So I think it very much depends on where you're at in your career and where you want to go. I feel that if you are starting out, want to get experience, want to get resume credits, want to get clips, you can do that from anywhere. And I actually would recommend doing it from right where you are because it's easier. And then you already get a feel and you can you know, accumulate those credits and those clips and experience, which is amazing. And then if you want to really make it big, I would suggest to really focus on the casting directors that are casting TV shows. And a lot of those just happen to be in L.A., which doesn't mean that there aren't others in other parts of L.A., but... I've heard many local agents in L.A. say that they also get breakdowns from other parts of the country. So if they are casting for a TV show, for instance, say, um, House of Cards. House of Cards is not filming in L.A. I think it might be filming in Washington or something like that. Um, So if they are casting a bigger role for House of Cards, then the agents in L.A. get that and will submit their actors to, and then they can fly out that actor to the location, wherever it is. It very often happens. It also happens a lot with Canada. People in L.A. are submitted through their agent or through some other means to a role and then fly to the location and work there and then come back to L.A., so I do feel that L.A. is a great point for, is a great location for actors who are further along in their career because there are definitely more opportunities in L.A. and it is easier to make it if you are already further. But I think if you're starting out, it really doesn't make a difference where you go from. There are um, certain things that are cast locally which aren't necessarily small parts and you can have fun with those and get income with those and depending on what you want to do commercially for instance you can be cast all throughout the country and make good money so it very much depends on where you're at and what you want for me personally I feel like I need to be in LA because I want to really need the casting directors that are casting a lot of the TV shows which most of them are here in L.A. So I would say that for me, this is the right place to be. Yeah, that's, um, from my experience, too, that's what I've heard. Um, 
especially if you want to do film or television, you have to be in Los Angeles, you know? Yeah, you told me that you were working in commercials in Florida, um, but I just don't know how much film and TV is filming in Florida and how likely you're going to be cast in a bigger role. I know they cast all of the extras and the very small roles locally to save money, but I think for the big roles, they might not do that. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, being here in Florida for a little bit, uh, there isn't much, just commercials and just, like, uh, I don't know, other, there's other things like short films, but it's not like Los Angeles, there's just way more opportunities out there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, it is possible to, your entire life, make small films and, and, be working as an actor, you might not have a very big income, but you might be working more than many actors who are living in L.A. So it's just a matter of how big do you personally need your project to be, you know? Oh, and I want to ask you because uh, when I first moved out to Los Angeles, there's a lot of acting scams out there, and... um, there was one where a manager wanted 500 up front just for representation. And this other guy, um, he wanted 50 f- to take your headshots, and he said he was an agent. And uh, he was the first, uh, probably like, I think that was the only scam I ever fell for. But the headshots that he took ended up being my headshots probably for the first two or three years. Oh, wow. Okay. So at least you got something out of it. But yeah, yeah, it was crazy this operation he had. He just had like um headshots all over the wall and then he would have you read a monologue and he's like, "Yeah, I will sign you. Just uh give me some money, you know." Yeah. Yeah, I would recommend to all actors to be very aware of people who are asking for your money. I fell for so many scams. I remember in New York, they called themselves an agency, I believe, which they really weren't. When you got in there, they asked you to take a photo of with them for like $250, even though I already had headshots. And then they gave you like a sheet of paper with a list of casting directors and said, here, apply here. This is not an agency. It is something anybody could do to make quick money. And um, and it's just ridiculous. And it just doesn't only um, refer to people who are sitting in an office or somewhere and are asking you for their money. You also have to be very aware of sites online. For instance, I signed up for a casting website that said they were casting websites, but they really weren't. And they, they, you know, take your money and they tell you, you have to sign up for half a year minimum or something like that, so you prepaid the half a year, and then you just end up giving other people the money without getting anything in return. So after having made those experiences myself and after having lost money in several scams, because I'm naturally a quite naive person, now I always um, look people up online, look companies up online, look websites up online. I mean, it's so easy nowadays. And when I was younger, we didn't have that culture of 
oh, I have a question, let me get on my phone and type it in there and see what the internet says. You know, everything was much more, what do I know, what the people, what do the people around me know? And we didn't have this, or at least we didn't use this great database that is the internet as much as we do nowadays. Nowadays, it's like second nature for somebody to look up something on their phone, but when I started out, I just didn't have that in mind. And I could have avoided many scams by just doing that, just typing into the internet reviews or is this a scam or something like that. And if it is a scam, you're probably not the first person that got scammed. So you can save yourself a lot of money by doing that. And obviously, legit agents and legit managers do not take any money unless they make money. I mean, unless you make money. If you make money, they take a certain percentage of what you earn, but you're never required to take pictures, take certain pictures, or take certain classes or something like that in order to be represented. That would not be legit. Man, I... <laughs> that... Oh, dang. Uh, give me a sec. Uh, one second. What is um? Is there anything you d you wanted to go into specifically? Do you mean any topic, or do you mean yeah. any kind of acting? Yeah, it it, it could be e either acting or any other topic. Yeah. So, what I would love to go in, as far as acting is concerned, I would love to do drama, and I would love to do action. And I also always enjoyed doing a lot of comedy. I mean, Robert, you know how much fun we had filming I Love My Neighbors, like the comedic web series. And we had such a blast filming and writing and improvising. And I think it was, that was probably the funnest project I've ever done, just because of how much creativity I was able to put into it, of how much screen time I had, of how much um, I was able to experiment with it and do all kinds of things, you know? And that was huge. That was such a big joy. And a lot of the time when you're a cast for something, you get very little creative input and you get very little screen time and not a lot of lines or they might want you to act something a certain way which you don't feel is the way that suits the situation or something like that. And what do you do? You're being paid, so you do it like the, like the director says or like the producer says. Or, and you have the other 10 people who have input. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what I would love to do is to do drama, action, and comedy. And... Um, Robert, you know that I do martial arts and that I do dance and sword fights and stage combat, so that's a lot of fun for me, and I really enjoy watching action movies just because of the strength and courage and power that's behind those char characters, and they're often very idealistic and have a big vision and need to save the world. So I like that, you know. I like this comic book, make the world a better place theme and 
obviously I also really like to play deep characters and dramas that go through a lot, that have a lot happen to them where the story has ups and downs and all of that, because I really want to move people and I want to tell stories. And I think you can do that very well with drama and yeah, I find psychological thriller also a lot of fun to act in. The only thing that I don't want to do is horror, just because I really don't enjoy watching horror myself. I think it is terrible, and when I watch a horror movie, it usually afterwards I cannot be in the dark for three weeks. <laughs> I'm, like, so sensitive. And I think many things that are shown nowadays in movies or in some TV series are very disturbing and, in a way, are scarring to the soul and make you believe that the world is a horrible place and that the people are crazy and do horrible things, which, of course, some of the people do, but I prefer not to portray that over and over again in movies just because I think it gives people a very pessimistic outlook on life, and I don't want that. I don't want to watch horror movies and I don't want to be in horror movies just because I believe, still believe, that the world is a beautiful place and should be portrayed like that. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I hate horror movies and, um, like when I meet someone that loves them, it freaks me out sometimes. Like, like, like Saw or the, like the ones where they torture people, like, I, I can't yeah. take it, you know? Me neither. Me neither. Yeah. I don't understand it. It's, um, I, you know, people have different, um, likes and dislikes and that's normal and, and I, I can't know. I don't have a way to know why somebody likes something, but usually I would think that if I meet somebody who's way into horror and torture that I would be like, oh, well, um, maybe they're not the right person for me to be close with friends with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just because I'm not like that at all. You know, I'm very sensitive and I take things very much to heart and I feel that, um, of course, people do get desensitized and I, I guess there might be some kind of value in it, but I don't want to and I feel like naturally I'm not drawn to people who are desensitized. I'm drawn to people who are very much in tune with their emotions and um, very sensitive and and emotionally aware of what's going on inside of the other person and, and appreciating that and respecting that. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Did you have any interesting, like, side jobs while you were out there in Los Angeles? I think you know that I do teaching and I teach a lot of things, a lot of languages and other things, and I very, very much enjoy it. I teach um, German, my native language. I teach English and French and Japanese, and I even teach quantum physics and brain functioning, and I love to teach math, and I just do a general support for school subjects or college subjects. So I very much enjoy teaching, and I feel so grateful that I have the opportunity to do that. And I do it one-on-one, -on -one, so I have full flexibility so that I'm always available to cancel a lesson if I need to 
get to an audition in time or something like that. And that is where right now still my primary income is coming from. And I'm very grateful to be able to support myself and support my dream, which is to um, progress in my acting career through um, through something that is enjoyable to me. Because I know that a lot of actors, unfortunately, end up doing jobs that aren't enjoyable to them and where they have horrible bosses or they, that are very draining and don't give them flexibility. So I'm very grateful to be able to teach people and to enjoy what I'm doing apart from acting as well. Yeah, I had um, a crazy experience. I used to go... Um do like uh, medical testing but not where you take medicine but uh kind of like where you do you solve math problems on the computer or you have to answer questions and then it's really weird like um oh and then, but i did one where i was in like an mri machine for like 30 minutes <laughs> interesting yeah and i came across those as well and i almost ended up doing one at that point in time, I actually really wanted to do it because I wanted the money or I needed the money. But, um, but I ended up not being accepted just because I take thyroid medicine and they wanted somebody who doesn't take any medicine, um, which I think was a blessing, uh, really, just because I don't think it's a very nice way to make money and I don't prefer doing it. But I know that a lot of people are doing similar things and are making money with it, so, yeah. I was wondering, did you ever do those jobs where you go watch a TV pilot and then you talk in a discussion group afterwards, like a focus group? I did not. No, I did not. I know that um, before I was officially an actress, I was invited to screenings, which afterwards had a questionnaire, you know, sort of what ending to your life, what worked, what didn't work. Um, but mostly when I get invited to screenings now, it always says that actors are not allowed to come. I mean, nobody in the industry is allowed to watch this movie for free. I don't precisely know what reason is behind that because I feel that actors would be able to give great input, but, you know, it's not for me to decide. So, so I have never really recently participated in any of that. Very early on, I did some pre-screenings with that at the end. Yeah, we, um, yeah, maybe we should all collaborate on something in the future because, uh, yeah, do you remember Leon McConnell from I Love My Neighbors? Absolutely. I actually run into him now and then on the street, which is funny. Yeah, um, he was in one of my podcast episodes, and uh, he told me he wants to collaborate. So, yeah, maybe we could all work on something. Or, uh, yeah, we should. Absolutely. We should try to find some other actors to work with, and maybe a filmmaker or something. And because uh, you know, I hear the best way nowadays is auditioning is one thing, but to actually make your own stuff and then pitch it, or um, you know. Make your own content is, like, one of the best ways to do it, you know? Yeah, and I hear that over and over as well. I hear so many people at, you know, for instance, casting directors or agents at workshops say that you need to make your own content. And the big advantage of it is that you can put it online. And, and many of those people say that they do look at 
clips online. Um, I personally always feel like there's this immense vastness of online material, and of course there are always some uh, viral sensations and YouTube wonders where they suddenly have millions of followers and actually get some kind of goal offered through that, where that is their starting point. But I personally feel like with all of the YouTubes that are online, it's hard to get that following unless you do something extremely stupid or extremely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, but in any case, like I said, for me, I love my neighbors. I love that. And right now, I would just love to be able to express myself more again creatively. And I very much enjoyed uh, filming that with you and Leon and Jillian, of course. What would be your dream character to play, like, in a film? I think a warrior. And not necessarily somebody who kills people. <laughs> That's really funny. But I mean a warrior at heart. I mean somebody who has a very bold resolve and is fighting for what they believe in. I, I would love to play somebody with a very high moral compass, um, very clear vision, very strong objective, you know, because and because I do feel like I am like that in, in person, in my real life, you know, I'm sort of nothing can put a hold to what I want. I keep going no matter what happens. And... And I think that's what people need to see. And I feel, every time I see something like that, I feel uplifted. And I feel like, wow, there is somebody who believes so strongly in their ideal and who is doing everything to make it a reality. You know, I think visionary people who strongly fight for what's right is um, what we need to see a lot of. And thankfully we are. Thankfully there are a lot of movies that are exactly about that and I would love to be a part of that that would be my dream role that sounds yeah that sounds amazing and really deeply emotional yeah yeah I mean you know goosebump provoking <laughs> now um I want to know about acting craft like um Say you did, like, a dramatic part. Do, do you tap into memories, like, sad memories, or what What method would you go by? Yes, I do, and it very much depends on the day, I feel. For instance, I was filming um, this TV series for a German network where they wanted me to cry, and I was very, very happy that day. <laughs> and I was... Uh, and I was speaking to the director, and the director said, well, what's your biggest fear or your biggest loss or your biggest pain? And, and I told her, I said, well, my biggest fear would be that my mother would pass away or that my father would pass away. And, um, and I had voice messages from them, you know, just very general, like, oh, how's the weather? And we did this, and how are you doing? And I listened to them uh, before filming the scene and imagined, which is 
a sad uh, imagination, but but I imagined them passing away or or not having them anymore, and I cried very much, very much for that scene. So so I do use um, different things. Sometimes if a situation that I'm acting is very similar or I feel needs a similar emotion or feeling that I've had in a situation in my life, then I do think of that and I do bring that back. And and the way to bring back these things is to be very specific. How did it smell? What temperature was it? Who was there? How did my clothes feel? So that you really put yourself into that situation and then the emotions almost come automatically, which we are all aware at any point in time in our real lives but as actors, we sometimes forget to become aware of it because as actors, the temperature might be different. As actors, the weather might be different, you know. And whether you come in from a rainy day or come in from a sunny day already gives you um, scope and gives you story and detail and specificity. And that's really the most interesting to watch. So I try to bring all of that in. But many times, it's enough for me to just be in the situation of the script. You know, it, it depends a little bit on the writing. It depends a little bit on where I'm personally at in my life. Because I feel sometimes I am so emotional, I can cry about whatever it is. Like, I see an, an cute animal in a picture, and I feel like crying. And at other times, I feel almost detached from the world and I and I think it's normal for people to have those fluctuations where sometimes they're very emotional and sometimes they are just not emotional and just very rational and you know in, have their intellects drive them so it depends on where I'm at and what I feel the scene needs and sometimes the writing of the script is so brilliant that all you have to do is um be in the moment, say the lines, and the scene will automatically propel you to where you need to be. So it depends on how much work you need to do uh, beforehand or independently from the scene. Yeah, I had a problem um, a couple years ago. Um, I booked a job as a psychiatrist on a short film, and uh, I got the script, and there was so many speeches like long speeches i had to do with um like jargon medical jargon and uh i yeah. only had two days to memorize this and then i dropped out of it because it was like i don't know the it, it wasn't like worth it like because it wasn't like a super professional job you know this was like way maybe a yeah. couple couple years back but it made me realize, man, acting really is tough, like, especially if you have a long speech you have to deliver in a scene, you know? Definitely, definitely. And um, agents and casting directors actually do ask for that if somebody is um, used to saying medical vocabulary or legal vocabulary because it's very specific and in our daily life, normally we just don't. And it can be, you know, very tongue-twisting and very hard to say and make sense of and make interesting to watch because a lot of the legal vocabulary or medical vocabulary is very dry. And I've had a similar experience. I was cast 
more uh, blood sugar measurement system. But it was in German, which is good because it's my native language, but I feel that I could have done it in English as well, um, which was very technical, very specific, very medical, and also very repetitive. And I'm sure, Robert, you know it's difficult if you learn text and it starts with the same line and then it goes on differently. And there were a couple of situations like that. And thankfully, I really had my time. I think I had... Um, over a week to, to learn the script, but it was a very long script, very um, difficult, very difficult. But, yeah, I, I learned it, I studied it every day, and then when I came on set, because I had enough time to prepare it, everything went very fluently, and it was a big success. Is there, like, a memorization technique, like, um, or do you just pretty much read it over and over and just try to get the, the lines down? I do have a specific technique that I use. Um, I find the most important thing to give yourself when you're memorizing is to trust yourself. And what I do is I read the first line and repeat it, say it out loud. I always say everything out loud, and I barely read spend any time reading. So I read the first line, don't look at the paper, say it out loud. Uh, reread the first line, whether I might have said the instead of the or something like that so that I could get it really correctly and go on to the next line or at least the next phrase and um, add that. Then don't look at the paper, say the two lines, go back, reread, add the next line, don't look at the paper, say the whole thing, and so on and so on. So almost every single time I go to the page, depending on how difficult it is, I add a phrase or, um, yeah, a phrase, and then I repeat it to myself, and I find that for me it's very easy and very quick to memorize that way. And I felt that at some point very early on before I uh, used this technique, what ended up happening it was that I just didn't trust myself, spent too much time reading, and really the only way I feel to memorize is to say it without reading. So I just keep saying it without reading, and I also say it very quickly. So while I memorize the lines, I don't focus on acting at all, but I focus on saying it as fluently as possible. So I don't stop at periods, I don't stop at commas or something like that. Because what ends up happening, if you do, you might blank at that specific spot. But if you say it as fast as you can say it, then there's no way you can blank. And then you really have it down. Obviously, if you can say something fast, then you can say it at any speed. So that's what I do. That sounds really uh, like a good technique. I want to try it sometime. Yeah. I've had great success with it, and I like it. It's very fast. I want to know. Very accurate too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I um I want to ask you about the auditioning process. Like, have you ever gone in a room like for a role, and then there's people that look similar to you? Uh, yes, I have, but that is not the odd thing. I would sort of 
expect to arrive at an audition and have other people there that look like me because because I believe, okay, they have a certain, um, you know, certain staff in mind, how they want this person to look like, hair color, height, weight, um, you know, whether they look um, soft facial features or whether they look very tough or something like that. So, so I sort of expect to walk into the auditioning room or the room outside the auditioning room and see people that look like me. And that actually makes me feel comfortable and relaxed. What is much more shocking to me is, and this happened before, when I arrive at an audition and everybody who is auditioning with me is African-American or everybody who is auditioning with me is what I feel like 40 pounds skinnier than me (laughs) or what I feel is like 40 years older than me or something like that. So um, if, if I feel that the people who are in the waiting room, because a project usually auditions one or two or three roles in a time slot, so you would expect to see other people that go in for the same role. So if I see other people that look like me, then I feel like, oh, okay, perfect. But if I walk into the room and everybody is completely different than me, and I feel like, oh, was there some kind of a mistake or what happened here? Am I here for the right project? You know, then I have all of these doubtful thoughts and, and need to make sure. And it actually has happened to me that I walked into something where, I mean, all of these situations happened to me. And I walked into something, everybody there was African-American and the lady who was calling out the names for the people to walk into the room, I actually asked her, and um, she said, yes, the director is also auditioning his other projects. So the director had several projects lined up, and he was auditioning several roles. Um, Just, I happened to be the only Caucasian one there. And that put me at ease, because then I knew, okay, I'm at the right place at the right time, and everything is going according to plan. I um, I want to ask you about like the old days because uh, when I first moved to LA, um, you had to mail out your headshots and then you would do these mass mailings uh, to different uh, jobs you would see like um in like Backstage West and those acting newspapers. Did you ever do stuff like that? Like mail out like a bunch of headshots? I actually still do that. Oh, I still do that. Is it effective? Yeah, I- uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't heard much back yet. But um, you know, for instance, when I look for an agent, then what I do is I search the agents that I feel would want to represent me, and that I feel I would want to be represented by, and which probably end up being something like. 25 or something like that, so a good number of people. And then I sent them headshots or um, or a month later I might send them postcards or something like that. And for me personally, and I don't know why I have this mental block, I prefer sending things out in the mail than sending out emails just because I feel if I do a mass email blast to casting directors or agents, I feel like 
it's going to be less looked at and less welcome. Because I personally, and this is just me, I love getting snail mail, but if somebody is sending me mass email, then I always unsubscribe just because I feel like, okay, this person really doesn't mean to speak to me. They, it doesn't cost them anything. They didn't do anything for that. I mean, other than type an email. So I feel it shows bigger commitment to send something with snail mail. And I do um, send postcards to casting directors, especially after I meet them. When I go to a casting director workshop, then I send them a postcard saying thank you or I that was great feedback. I learned something new or whatever it is. Um, so I do like to send snail mail. For some reason, I find it satisfying. Oh. And I'm always hesitant to send out emails, even though that would be cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. And, I might try that um, in the future. Yeah. And I have heard at workshops that several people say, I don't give out my email to actors, but I do give you my uh, snail mail address. So this this is absolutely something that I can um, confirm from going to workshops where people do say that. Feel free to send me a postcard with info on it, but do not send me an email. And then, of course, there are many casting directors and agents who say, um, sure, you can send me an email. But I do feel that people get bothered more through email somehow. Yeah, I... And that's just me. It might be, that might be not the truth. I mean, this might just be my personal viewpoint. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, uh, um... I want to know, uh, what was it like in Germany? Did, did you do auditions there? Because you did a, an acting thing there, didn't you? Like a, a gig? Uh, that's true. I did, yes. Um, and I tried it a little bit in Germany. But honestly, I always felt like I should be in America. I was always very strongly drawn to being in America. And the downside in Germany is... There really aren't a lot of projects, and unless you live in a very big city, for instance, Berlin or Cologne or Munich, you won't have a lot of chances to audition. And even if you do live in those big cities, you won't have as many chances to audition as you do here in L.A. There is way less being produced, way less movies, way less TV series, um, and... Oftentimes, if you don't live in a big city, or even if you do live in a big city, you have to drive really far. Like, you have to be in the train for three hours to get to your audition, which is ridiculous. I mean, if I think of how quickly and efficiently I can audition here in L.A., and I also live very locally. I live right in Hollywood, so all of the major auditioning uh, spaces are very close to me. So I usually drive between five and ten minutes to my audition. So effectively that goes. And then in Germany, I would have to drive such a far time, uh, such a long time for an audition that is unlikely that I will get it, you know, which is just 
numbers. Here in LA, just like anywhere else, when you go to an audition, you shouldn't expect to actually get the role. You should just go in, do a really good job, in the hopes that they will remember you, and then leave. It's not about getting the job. And in Germany, I just felt like it takes way more effort to be seen way less frequently than in LA. So I didn't very much enjoy it there, and I never felt like I should stay or pursue it there. And, um, yeah, the <laughs> it, it's very interesting, like, um, the people moving out to LA and stuff, like, um, a lot of people I know take breaks, like, they'll take a year off and then come back, you know, or go travel yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and I feel it's very important to do that, and I have taken several breaks. Um, it's way better to take a break than to stop, <laughs> you know, if you think about it, and, and acting is extremely draining. I mean, not the acting, looking for acting work. That is so exhausting, very discouraging, very demotivating. I mean, it's it's terrible. I think that um, many, many people cannot imagine um, the amount of effort actors put in it here in L.A. and how little return they get on their efforts. I have been pursuing my acting career for many, many years, and I'm a very focused and disciplined person. I mean, acting is all I want to do in life. And and to see how little return I got, I mean, I got small things here and there, but it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. And I would never recommend to anybody to become an actress. I would never discourage anybody from stopping to be in the industry because I'm like, if you want to stop being an actor, if you want to do something else, good for you. Good for you. Because I have experienced how detrimental it is to your soul um, to be an actor and to have to keep on looking for acting work, have to go through that immense amount of rejection and you're 100% replaceable within a phone call. Um so, yeah, so I think it is good to take breaks. It is good to take breaks when you need them. Rejuvenate, do something for yourself, whatever it is that you want. Go study for a semester, which is what I did. I took a break. I went back to university, studied for a semester, which was exactly what I needed. I went back to Germany, stayed with my family for a while, which was exactly what I needed. So I think to take a break, to rejuvenate, to get your courage and your power back is exactly what you need to do yeah that sounds like something everyone should do once in a while especially if you're out in LA you know actually that's what I'm doing right now I'm taking a year off and uh yeah, yeah. I, I plan to head back yeah. and get back in the acting game exactly exactly and and I always feel and I think everybody knows this it's not just actors but after you have taken a vacation, you come back to work, whatever it is, and you are more motivated. You are like, okay, let's do this thing, you know, and you just have a fresher outlook and more energy. So I think that overall, I mean, depending on how long your break is, but I realized that for myself, overall, 
breaks are empowering to my acting career, and I'm not losing anything. And I think that um, there's a lot of fear-based thinking going on, which is uh, promoted by a lot of people, including agents and casting directors who say, when you are gone, um, you will fall through the cracks and you will not be able to get back and all of that. And I think that is nonsense. I'm against every kind of fear-based thinking. I think you need to do what you need to do for yourself and to be in L.A., to be in the city, even though you are completely down and not getting anything done, I feel it's counterproductive. So I'm like, if I want to leave um, and I need it for myself, for my acting career, actually, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I am. Did you ever have a point in your life where you're like, I can't do this anymore? Or were you like, oh, I just need a break for a little bit? I don't think that I've ever decided for myself I'm not going to be an actor anymore or I'm not going to pursue my acting career anymore. I never got to that point. But again and again, I get to a point of frustration, you know, to a point of like, this cannot be happening, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Um, and I do feel if I break through, if I get a recurring role or something that will just allow me to act more consistently, then I won't feel that way. You know, then I will be on set all day, come home, sleep amazingly, and then... Um, return next day to work and be happy and joyous to be on set, which is how I've always felt. Whenever I'm on set, I'm the happiest person on earth. Um, And I do feel that once you get that break and once you are in that group of actors who are working more consistently, then you almost don't need as many breaks. I mean, I feel like I'm a person, I get energized by working. I get energized by acting. What is de-energizing to me is if I'm not working, you know? (laughs) So, um, yeah, I don't feel like I ever wanted to stop being an actor or pursuing my acting career, but I felt many times like I need a break in order to keep going. Yeah, I'm... um... I tell people now that uh, it's just a hobby of mine that I do on the side while I'm working because I got criticism sometimes. They're like, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? But um, I don't know. I still just want to do it on the side at least, even if it's not full time, you know? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think we all receive that. And I've received a lot of criticism as well. And, And if you want to say I'm doing it as a hobby, that's great. You know, free yourself from that pressure. Um, yeah, actors are criticized a lot of the time for so many reasons. Everybody is. It's not just actors. I'm just saying actors because that's what I'm around all day. <laughs> Oh, I had a crazy story. My first ex-girlfriend in Los Angeles, she went to a psychic, she told me, and then the psychic said that I wasn't going to make it. (laughs) Wait, why would your ex-girlfriend go to a psychic and ask about you? Wouldn't she ask about herself? 
Yeah, I don't know. It creeps me out, and uh, it didn't last very long after that. But um, yeah, I thought that was very strange, and if it, it creeps well, me out. Yeah, yeah, that was very strange. And that was very strange. And good that you broke it off because somebody who is with you, because they think you're going to make a great living with acting, isn't the right person for you, I feel. You know, people should love you for who you are and not because you're going to have a big career. And, and who cares what psychics say, you know? Um, I, I talked to an astrologer one time, and he said, you know, your acting career, I don't really see it for you. Um... But but he didn't mean I'm not going to make it. He just meant, like, he doesn't see the big acting career in my chart. And I was like, well, who cares? Who cares? Like, I don't care because I am free to choose and to live the life that I want and to manifest what I want to manifest. You know, and um, there are so many naysayers and discouraging people and most psychics are scams anyway there are very few amazing amazing psychics but most of them are scammers and if they tell you that whatever brush it off do what you want to do in your life can i ask you something um do you think there really is a spirit world i personally believe in the spirit world yes and how, how do you define spirit world, or what do you think when you say spirit world? Um, I don't know, like, you know how, like, some psychics say that a spirit is telling them, like, what the future is, or that oh, kind of okay. thing. okay. I do feel that my grandma is always connected with me. I do feel that very strongly. I, yeah. I guess I don't picture it as her sort of being a ghost looking around in houses, but I do feel that her soul or her being is always connected with my soul and my being, and I was very close with my grandmother, and I never felt even for one second that she went away or that she left or was not present in any form. So, um, so yes, I do feel that there is spirit world. I do believe that we all have a soul, and I do believe that the soul doesn't end when we pass away. I don't know how it looks like. I don't know the specifics or anything like that, but for me, it's the only thing that makes sense. Oh, um... People were asking me, because on I Love, I Love My Neighbors, your character, um... It has uh, different religions as one. Is it true? Yeah, and now Denise was experimenting a lot with different things. Um, Is that similar to you in real life? I would say that I have a, a very vast viewpoint that includes many different religions. I wouldn't necessarily say that I am... You know, I'm a supporter of this one religion and this one religion only. I think that most religions in their core really believe and teach the same thing. Unfortunately, some religions are altered by some power-hungry people and therefore don't get their message across or get a different message across, which isn't healthy. But I 
do believe that my personal beliefs are made up out of many different things. Not only religions, but, but many different viewpoints that I have and that make up my construct of reality. <laughs> so, yes, it is very much like me. <laughs> that is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I personally feel like life is hard enough. Believe in what makes you feel better. <laughs> you know, because there are some people, atheists, for instance, who say, oh, believe in God, that's just so childish, and that just means that you want this greater power to take care of you or something like that. And I'm like, so what? Like, give me a break. Come on. If I want to believe in God, then I believe in God. Thank you. Yeah, um, do you remember that scene in I Love My Neighbors where um, you were talking about, like, something, a priest or something, and it, it got really crazy? Oh, do you mean with the Catholic guilt? Yes. Yes, exactly. There was this one episode where um, I think Denise went to a Catholic priest or, or something like that, and... And the Catholic priest told her of all of the sin that existed in the world, and she became so very um, paranoid and and really went down this horrible spiral and completely went to pieces. So, yeah, I, I do not believe in Catholic guilt, and I do not believe in guilt at all. I believe that we are perfect the way we are. So... Yeah. Would you be okay if I played that on the podcast or added that in later? Yes. Yes, I would. Because I think it would be funny, like almost like an audio, uh, like something people would get a kick out of it, you know? Oh, totally. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. Will you, um, will you be able to share it with me before you post it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think that I think that I'm um, pretty okay with everything that I said, except the the husband. Like, do cut that out just because that's like not really common knowledge, and I don't want it to be. But but anything else you can use, I think. Um, is there anything you want to add? Um. Yeah, Robert Hatfield Show podcast. Okay, cool. Yeah, so yeah. Let me just play oh, okay. that for the audio. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do that part so we can get it on the thing. Well, yeah. well, Celine, thank you so much for stopping by and chatting with me. I really got to know you, like, actually more than I ever have. It was really interesting. Oh, that's fantastic. Now I feel like I want to ask you all of those questions. <laughs> well, it has been a, yeah. Well, it has been a big pleasure, Robert. You know that I um, very, very much appreciate our time together filming. I love my neighbors. I had so much fun, and 
Thank you so much for having me on the Robert Hatfield Show podcast. It was a lot of fun for me. Thank you so much for being on here. And um, I'll check in with you sometime in the future, and we want to see how you're doing. Absolutely, and hopefully we'll get to work together again soon. Oh, yes, we will, definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you so much. Uh, have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.